Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zilkowski. Thank you for joining us for episode two of the Aural Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I just wanted to do a couple quick housekeeping measures about the first episode before we move on. <clears throat> the first episode was about my dad, about the reason for the podcast, the reason for the name, and in particular that this is about the listener as opposed to being about the storyteller. In that episode, I had to clean up one little thing, so I made an edit that you may have noticed. And then I also made one error. Um, I spoke of my wife and her husband, and I meant my sister and her husband. So just wanted to clean those couple of things up right off the bat and then dive right into what I hope will be a little bit of a lighter topic than what we dealt with last time, but still something to cause us each to think. So I'm calling this episode Road Stories. Now, that's better than the subtitle that I came up with in my head, which was Every Accident I've Ever Had in a Car. And uh, I didn't think that one would fly just as well as road stories. But these are stories from my entire life that have to do with traveling in automobiles of all kinds. Um, I've toured the country uh, many times over. I've been in all, all but one of the 47 contiguous states. I have been to Hawaii, but I've never been to Alaska. So I have 48 of 50 states under my belt, every province in Canada, across the southern part of the country, and then several uh, overseas ventures as well. But these are stories about rides in cars. And the first, the middle, and the last are probably the most poignant. Um, so let's begin. The The first accident I want to tell you about, the first road story, correct, correct that, was a, a trip that my sister and my brother and I took to Colorado Springs. We lived in South Central Colorado, so it was about 40 miles to either Pueblo, Colorado, or 40 miles to Colorado Springs. And one Saturday afternoon, we headed off in my parents' Pontiac to go see an Air Force football game. My brother was in the back seat, my sister was driving, and I was riding in the front seat. And we approached a piece of ground that we now affectionately call Bug Hill. Anybody in Colorado will know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a peak of a hill just maybe six miles south of Colorado Springs with a giant uh, statue of a, of a bug on the side of the road. So we call it Bug Hill. We're driving along. We're in a string of about six cars, seven cars. We're, I believe, third in line. And something happens at the front of the line that we're unaware of at first. All I know is that there were screeching tires. My sister put both feet on the brake and came to a complete stop. And I immediately thought that the car had exploded, that we'd been hit and the car exploded because I had debris and ash and everything in my face. My brother is in the back seat trying to gather this all in, but he's quickly going to be involved in the second aspect of this wreck. Now, the ash and the debris were because my mom smoked and the ashtray was full and the glove compartment was full. And when we stopped, both of those popped open and spewed stuff all over me. 
Um, the second impact, really, the first wasn't an impact, it was a stop because all the cars managed to stop up to us. It was the car behind us that failed to stop. He was, it was a young guy in a Jeep and he was coming too fast and he came right through our trunk and my brother sitting in the back seat watched it all come right at him at full speed. His friend then behind him in a pickup truck tried to steer left into oncoming traffic to avoid his friend's back end and scraped the entire side of his vehicle off. Now, graciously, nobody was seriously hurt. I think my sister was probably uh, among the only ones who had to go to an emergency room. She went by ambulance. I went with her to Colorado Springs and they dealt with some neck issues when her head hit the seat. And that's pretty much all of it. My brother being in the back seat was not injured. I was not injured. Uh, many of the other drivers weren't injured. Even the dog who caused the accident. Yes, that's what happened. The first car slammed on their brakes to avoid hitting a dog. Even the dog wasn't injured. And so we were very grateful for all of that. But that's one of the very first situations where I was in an accident and all of those things are very much locked into your memory. You, you remember what you were smelling and what you were feeling and, and how things were just transpiring moment by moment, second by second actually, with just clarity that belies the, the actual situation. It all plays over in our minds kind of in slow motion. And the same is true of several other accidents. Um, after that, um, I had several accidents with my dad. We, I mentioned my dad last week. One of the things that I may not have mentioned is that he worked for a company that serviced vending machines, pool tables, jukeboxes, cigarette machines, candy machines. He traveled all over the county of Fremont in Colorado, fixing all of the equipment at all the bars and in all the different places where they had these these machines and my dad would always carry cash with us um, the reason being when we would go we would empty a machine of all the coins we would count it all out we would roll it in paper tubes we would put it in a ma in a bag and then we would secure it in his pickup truck well his original pickup truck with that company was a 1967 Ford F100 and it was just what everyone would call a beater. It did have boxes on the side for all of his tools. It had a mechanical lift gate that he could lower and raise by cranking it up and down. But for the most part, it was a beater. In fact, it was so much of a beater that if you didn't leave one of the two windows slightly open, you couldn't close them at the same time because they would trap the air inside the cabin if you tried to slam them at the same time. So you'd either have to alternate closing the doors or you'd have to leave one of the windows open a little bit so that the air can escape. So my dad and I are at a place called The Lone Pine. It's a, a bar slash restaurant in Wetmore, Colorado, about nine miles south of where we grew up. And we go in and we're counting the money. It's the middle of the day. We've already been some other places. And we both come out and we walk up to the car and he looks and he notices that his driver's side window is down. And he turns to me and he said, I know I rolled the window up and I know I locked the doors because there's money sitting in the seat. In fact, it's still right there. And as he began to investigate, he looked around and he noticed on the ground beneath his feet was all the glass from his window. What had happened is we'd gotten both doors shut, but in the cool of Colorado, when the sun comes out, it heated the air inside that cabin of that truck up and it had one way to get out. So it blew his window out. So for several months, we drove around with that 
flappy, noisy sound that you get from replacing glass with cardboard and plastic because we had no choice at the time. And we did that for quite a while. We had other instances, one in particular where my dad, uh, he lost the car antenna one time. It got, he went under some sort of a, a low overpass, something of that nature, and it snapped the car and the, the radio antenna off. So he did what he always does. He was a troubleshooter. He said, I'm going to take a coat hanger and I'm going to wrap it around the base and I'm going to bring it up and I'm going to put a loop in it and it's going to serve as our antenna. And it worked perfectly, except for one day, again, on our way to Wetmore, Colorado, we're driving along and I'm in the passenger seat. My dad's driving and out of the, out of the clear blue, we hear thunk. And we both look at each other and we're like, what just happened? Did something, we didn't, nothing hit the windshield. And we looked and at the end of that coat hanger, we had picked a bird out of the air. I won't be any more graphic than that, but we got one. And my dad immediately stopped the truck, went over, unwound the antenna, tossed the now deceased bird into the weeds because there wasn't anything we could do. And we drove on. And we were without a radio for some time, and we were at without a window sometimes. Um, my dad was pulling out of an intersection in our hometown one day when he turned left from uh, from a four-way stop, well, a two-way stop. He pulled out into traffic, and he didn't realize that a car was coming from his right at greater than full speed. And that was another one of those situations where I was front row and center in the passenger seat watching this take place in slow motion. I watched my dad's, the, the bumper of his truck hook into the front wheel well of their car. I watched the person accelerate when they heard the crash. I watched them pull us down the road a couple fifty hundred feet and then we finally pulled over and had to kind of dislodge these two vehicles from being stuck together. But overall, you've got to consider this. My dad was an excellent driver. All of those things, none of them for the most part, were his fault. The, the last one, maybe a little bit, but for the most part, as many hours as he spent on the road, this was to be expected. The more time you're on the road, the more you're going to encounter something that you're not expecting. And such was the case with a couple of the other situations that I encountered in my lifetime. The, the middle one that I wanted to tell you about happened when I was 18 years old. Um, we finished college in nine, or high school in 1983, and my best friend and I, Sean, would travel every day to a, a local commuter college in Pueblo, which was 40 miles away, and we put a lot of miles on the car. And I've got many, many stories I can tell you about those road trips, and I'll, I'll save some of those for later, but I want to tell you about this one in particular. Sean and I had been at school all day. We were bored. We came home. We typically would get uh, Godfather's Pizza on the way home and then come home and eat some pizza and play hoops if it was nice outside. So we were playing hoops out in his backyard and one of us began the conversation of, I wonder if you can dribble a basketball outside of a moving car. And several of you are going, oh no you didn't. And oh yes we did, we tried. Um, we went to a straight area in our hometown. It was only about four blocks long, but we could never get enough sustained distance to actually accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. So we decided to take it to the next level. We were going to go out to an area called the Quarter Mile Run south of our hometown where 
kids were known to have drag raced. I never did, but uh, that was the talk of this area is that it was the place to drag race. So we got out there and we're driving along and we're looking at it and we're determining that this is really, really not smart. So I looked at Sean, Sean looked at me, I'm driving and I said, I just don't think we could accomplish what we want to accomplish on this road. It's partially gravel, it's partially dirt. We just need to pack it up and just call it a day and not try this. And he said, okay. And at that point I had passed through a, an intersection on this county road. I was about 150 feet past it. And I pulled off to the side and I executed what was an illegal U-turn. And halfway through that inter through that U-turn, all I heard was Jeff bang that fast. It was Sean saying Jeff looking straight at me. I turned my head to him to try to figure out what he was saying. And the next thing I heard was this high pitch whining sound. And as I sort of come to my senses, I realized that my left foot is on the gas pedal and I've just got it pushed all the way to the floor. And I say my left foot because this was a 1977 Ford Mustang and it was a stick shift car. There was no center console, so my feet had both been kicked over to the right. My glasses had flown off my face. Sean was perfectly fine. Um, the glass that had hit me in the back of the head from my window shattering hit me in the back of the head and missed him entirely because of the presence of my head in front of his. And my left foot was on the gas pedal and I immediately lifted my foot off the gas pedal and the whining stopped. And I looked down at my feet and the clutch and the brake were both gone. They were completely submerged under the metal of the side of the car. And we scrambled out of the car and went around to see who, who else's life we had affected here with our stupidity and found a lady sitting behind the wheel of a 1967 Oldsmobile. And she was pregnant, was not wearing a seatbelt, had a dog on her lap, and even the dog wasn't injured. Now the inside of her car looked like a floral shop had exploded. She had a back seat full of plants and flowers and everything came forward. But somehow, by God's grace, this young lady, her unborn child, and her dog were not injured. I still don't know how. I still think about the circumstances of that time, about how quickly she came to a stop, how quickly it all happened, and I do not understand how any of us survived, let alone walked away. And by walking away, I mean in the next 20 minutes, as the police arrived and began to ask me questions, and then a few minutes later when her husband arrived, I did the best dance I could around the police officer to keep myself between, keep the police officer between myself and this very irate husband because he wanted to work me over. But ultimately, everybody was fine. My car was totaled, her car was totaled. But above all else, we were okay. We made a trip to the emergency room. I got a small cut over my right eye repaired in the emergency room. But for the most part, we just stood back at that point as very young Christians. I, I had only been a Christian a few months at that time. And we just marveled at God's grace in our lives. And I understand that that's not always the case, okay? I'm just telling you my stories. We'll cover your story at the end here but I just want to tell you my stories. The next couple of wrecks, 
happened at different times, um, both in the context of my time in Nashville. I spent from 1995 to 2005 in Nashville, Tennessee. The first six years, I traveled with a Christian recording artist and did video for him in concerts, and we spent a lot of time on the road. In fact, that's how I ended up being touching down in 47 of the contiguous U.S. states and 48 of them total, as well as the ones uh, the places around the world and all of Canada. I had that privilege because of my time spent with him. And there are many, many stories to share there, many road stories, and I will share some of those. But some of them, I just want to touch on a couple, and three in particular. Uh, the first one was the fact that my friend Brian and I both lived in a house that the ministry owned for the first year and a half I was in Nashville big front room um, that had been converted into my bedroom, big plate glass window. And if you don't know how Nashville weather is, Nashville doesn't really get a lot of snow. And they don't get a lot of below zero temperatures, but they do get this rather unusual phenomenon that happens right around freezing called freezing rain. It comes down in the form of rain, it hits the ground, it turns to ice, and it can be comical at times. And I have to admit, there were times that Brian and I sat in the front room of that house looking out at the window because our house was at the bottom of a dip. It was up in both directions. Not terribly steep, but steep enough. And we would sit there and watch cars come from the right and zzz into the ditch. And cars from the left come and zzz into the ditch. And on and on and on. And we would go out for the ones that looked like they were not handling it so well and offer, you know, do you need to make a call? We can help. Here, do you need a short period of time inside our house? We'll keep you warm until somebody comes along. But that happened often there. And uh, so that's one, That's the first road story. The second road story, um, it, it occurred while the sound guy for the ministry the first year and a half that I was there, his name was Mark. Mark had family in southwestern Kansas, and I have family still, and did at the time, in Colorado. So we were traveling to a concert in Colorado, and then we had traveled back by truck. All of our equipment was carried in a 24-foot straight truck. If you're interested, it was a Ford L8000. And I was one of the people responsible for driving. Well, Mark and I decided that we would use the opportunity to go and visit some family. So we rented me a car, and then he took the the truck from Colorado Springs over to Kansas, and I had the car while I was there. And then eventually he came and picked me up. I turned the car in, and we started back from Colorado through southwestern Kansas back to Nashville. Mark and, Mark and I are of similar build. Mark's even slighter than I am. When I was traveling with the Christian recording artist, I was probably about a 180 pounds and six foot one. And Mark was even slighter than that. He was probably about 5'10 and maybe 165 pounds. So we were not big, strong guys. And we're both driving in this truck. We're trying to get across southern Kansas, and we're doing so at night because it's just easier. There's less traffic. It's cooler. All of those things. We're, we're traveling by night. And Mark and I are driving along, and I had climbed back into the sleeper of the truck and was asleep. And I heard that same telltale sign again, that breaking and thud and not knowing what was going on, I immediately popped up and asked Mark what had happened. 
and we're on a two-lane road in the southwestern part of Kansas, miles from absolutely nowhere. And this is pre-cell phone days. I mean, we carried one on the road, but it was not necessarily uh, of much use outside of metropolitan areas. So Mark and I get out of the truck and we look and we've driven this Ford L8000 and he had hit a deer. And the deer had hit the front bumper on the driver's side and had pushed it all the way back into the tire. So much so that if we tried to move the truck, the bumper itself would shred the tire. So he and I tried, we, we pulled, we pulled together, we pulled separately, we tried leverage, we got things out of the back of this truck and we would place things on the tire and the tire would give too much. We would try to place it in other places and move it and nothing was making this bumper move. We were accomplishing nothing and now beginning to wonder how long we were gonna be out here before somebody drove up and said, I think you guys need some help. It wasn't too long after that that these two young men drove up in a pickup truck. One of them was wearing a volunteer firefighter outfit. The other one wasn't, but they walked up and asked exactly what was going on and we told them. And I tell you what I will tell you, that the Bible says that sometimes we are visited unawares by angels. And all I can tell you is I believe that to be the case this particular night. Because the, the shorter of these two young men, who was probably five, six, probably 250 pounds, he was a, a big guy. He grabbed that bumper and as if it was as easy as straightening out a paper clip, he pulled it back into its original position. And I sat there with my mouth hanging open. And they got back in their truck and they drove on and Mark and I got back in the L8000 and we headed back for Nashville and eventually got the truck fixed permanently. But I honestly believe that night we were visited by angels unaware because there was nothing moving that bumper. And this young man did it with his bare hands as easy as un unbending a paper clip. Now the last story is the one I wanna spend just a little bit of time on. And I wanna tell you this story. I've very rarely told this story. My wife commented to me when I told her the gist of it just two days ago that she had not heard it. And it's not something that I particularly share very often, but I want to share it with you. During our time with Steve, the Christian recording artist, we spent a period of a couple of years having to find our way to concert venues in alternate ways because we had some difficulties with a bus that was being constructed for us. It wasn't ready at times, it was in disrepair at times, but this one particular time, the then sound guy, a gentleman by the name of Carrie, who's a dear friend of mine, Brian, who's a dear friend of mine, and I were in a minivan headed for South Florida, ahead of the truck and ahead of Steve, the recording artist who was gonna come by airplane. So we're driving through just the, the long, straight portion of central Florida. If you've ever driven on those roads, you know what I'm talking about. And we're driving along and Carrie's reading and Brian's sleeping in the back seat. Carrie's in the passenger seat and I'm in the driver's seat. And we're on a four lane divided highway, two on one side, two on our side. And about a quarter of a mile up the road, I watch something transpire that at first I think is not real. I watch a car leave the lanes on the opposite side of the road, travel across the median, come across our two lanes of traffic, turn around and back its way about 100 feet into a field and go through a fence into a swamp. 
and it gave me enough time to slow down. And I, I woke Brian up and I told Carrie, I said, we need to figure out what's going on. So we slowed down and we got up there and we were the very first people on the scene of that accident. And we walked through that field to that fence. And as soon as the, as soon as the front end of the car was where the fence had been, it dropped down into this sloggy swampy area and there was water up to the side of the car. I had no idea how deep that water was or what was beneath it. But there were three people in that car. There was a little kid, a young man, probably seven, eight years old, his mom, who was probably in her 30s, and her mother, who was probably in her 60s. Grandma had been driving. Mom was in the passenger seat and the little boy was in the back seat. And you often wonder what would happen when you encounter a situation like that. How am I going to react? What am I going to do? We immediately called 911, but we determined that we weren't certain the car was going to stay put. So I eased my way onto the hood of that car and Brian and, and Carrie stood by right close. And the first thing we did is we communicated with the family that the boy needed to come out and he came out through the passenger side window and onto the hood with me and I handed him to Carrie and to Brian. And then we convinced the mom, the 30-year-old, that she needed to get out of the vehicle. And she came out and onto the hood. And then we tried to get her mom out the same way, and it just was not happening. So between, I believe, Carrie, possibly, maybe Brian, and the 30-year-old mom, and me on the hood of the car, we managed to get her out of the car and, and all three of them onto dry ground. And about that time... The ambulance showed up, the police showed up, and we kind of told our story and moved on. Now, I know from the story prior to that about the young men that I think they may have been angels. I'm not an angel. And Carrie's not an angel. And Brian's not an angel. But in those, in that family's eyes, we did something that some people probably wouldn't do. And you know... You only know when you're in that situation how you're going to react. And we weren't heroic. I didn't slide across the hood and put my cape back in behind me and flip it over my, my right shoulder. Like it was all very tentative and methodical, but it was something has to happen and we're here, so it has to be us. Now, I mentioned earlier that the outcomes of all of these are f relatively positive. And I know for many of you, that's probably not the case. Some of you have the heartache of an accident where you lost a loved one. I have friends who, within their first generation of family, have lost loved ones to horrific car accidents. And I know that what I have to say is not going to make that better. But I do know that I serve a God who can take care of any of these situations, and I'm grateful that he's taken care of mine, and he will take care of yours, whether they turned out as good as mine did or as bad as yours did. So I want to pray for you, as I've mentioned in the past. I want to do that each time I close this out. So I want to take a minute, and I just want to pray for you. If you are someone who has been through an accident and you still live through that bang or that pop or that thud in your memory, you have to do something. 
And you have to tell your story. You have to tell it to somebody, somebody you trust, somebody you love. It doesn't have to be a professional, but you need to talk about that because that's a part of who you are and it can't rule you. Now, if you've lost somebody in a situation like that, you don't have the pop or the thud or the crash. You just have the questions of how could it have been different? Why did it happen to us? Why would God allow this to happen to us? And I want to tell you that that's a very difficult question and there are no quick answers to it. Now, I know the answers and I'm willing to discuss those answers with you, but I'm not willing to lay them out on this podcast and have everybody think that I gave a trite answer to a horrific situation. I want to talk to you about that situation. So let me pray for all of you, and then we'll close out episode two, Road Stories. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for stories to share, stories of uh, crashes and bangs and pops and thuds, and stories of good outcomes and really, really horrible outcomes. But Father, we know that you are sovereign over all, that you are in control, and that above all else, you love us beyond anything we could ever expect or imagine. And you only want us to come running to you when these situations come up. Yes, we need to talk about them. Yes, we need to put them in words, but mostly we need to run to you and allow you to be our strength in these difficult situations. So Father, I lift my friends up to you. I pray that you would open eyes and open ears and melt hearts and draw them to yourself in this time. We love you, Father. We praise you, and we thank you for Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's Road Stories, or yeah, we'll call it Road Stories. There'll be more in the future, um, more Road Stories. But for right now, I want to close out, and I want to thank you for joining us for Episode 2 of the Oral History Podcast. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.